Well, we're starting a new series on our core values. And we are going to be sharing those core values here in a few moments. But part of what we will also be doing is hearing stories um, from people in our congregation about how these values um, speak into their life, how they have seen them lived out, maybe how we could do them better. Um, so here in a few moments, I'm going to invite um, Ryan to come forward and share, but I want to tell you a little bit about the process of getting our core values first before I bring him up. So, Okay. It has been a process, as you might imagine, to come up with core values for the church. We had our old core values, which were good, but we felt that we had kind of changed a little bit in who we are, and we wanted that to be reflected in what we said about ourselves. So the board met a few months ago, kind of had a mini retreat, and you know, we did retreat real life style, which was just in the other room. Um, That's how we get away. We came to the church for a day. We spent time um, with the help of Kenton. Um, he came in and kind of led us through some questions and some discussion about who are we now, who do we want to be, what is real life, real, what is real life best at, and what makes us want to be a part of real life. So we broke into groups at different points to talk about these. And there was one point where we broke into three groups, um, and we came back together to, sh- to share our answers to the question. And it was amazing that as each group shared, the other two groups looked at each other like, that's what we said. So it was just kind of this consensus about who we are and who we wanted to be. The common themes of authenticity, coming without filters, asking questions, exploring different ways of thinking about what it means to follow this Christ we find in the scripture. We came back with themes about serving our community and showing love for those who are struggling. We came back with real life was a safe place to allow God to work in our lives, even when or maybe particularly when things don't go right, when we don't get it right. A place where mistakes are inevitable and a willingness to stay and grow through this is something that we respect. So through the process, Kenton said, hey, Have you ever thought that maybe our greatest values might be defined by the very name we go by? We're like, oh, (laughs) yeah, real life, community, and church. Imagine that. So after the board and um, staff clarified where we wanted to go with our values, then the staff kind of took up the mantle and began to work on crafting definitions that summarize who we want to be. And the result of those efforts can be found in your worship folder. Ta-da! Beautifully placed. You will see on one side the core values and on the other side our scripture. Um, You will, throughout this series, hear two perspectives on each core value as we do value different voices. So I'm going to talk about real life today, and then Tom's going to talk about real life next week. And I'm guessing Tom has a different view on real life than I do, but it's all part of who we are. Your staff also talked about which scripture we wanted to use to root our real life family in. We, of course, embrace the whole of scripture and find value there, but we wanted something that we could focus on, a place for us to rest, to reference, 
to turn back to when things didn't seem to be going quite right, when they were getting off track. And we debated and talked about all kinds of beautiful scripture passages. We went back and forth. This one in Ephesians is great. This one in Matthew is great. And then Lindsay read out loud Romans 12. And when she read it, it's like, that's it. That's home. This is where we're at. This is who we want to be. I passed out a copy of Romans 12 to the staff, and I said, okay, here's our core values. I want you to highlight where in Romans 12 you see each of those core values. And then I had them share what they had highlighted. And what was so funny is that we realized that for the real life, people highlighted different verses. And then we said community, and some of those same verses were overlapping in what they had highlighted. And church overlapped with some of those. They were so integrated throughout the scripture that we thought, this is home. So we decided that the entire chapter of Romans 12 would be our scriptural home. And that's what you get for having trained and ordained ministers, is we want the whole context. So Romans 12 it is. So we are going to read the scripture, and we are going to read our core values, and then we're going to talk to Ryan here in a minute about real life. But I want to invite you to stand now as we have a responsive reading from Romans 12, and I would like you to join me as hopefully you begin to make this scripture home as well. So, brothers and sisters... Family, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good, pleasing, and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. 
Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you are better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals on the... Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, we're kind of practicing this community thing. So you can stay seated. But we are going to read through our core values together. I'll kind of give you the, the titles that are big on one page, and then we will read the definition together on the next slide. So our first va core value is real life. Real people, real questions, real love. And join me in reading this next portion. We are people created by God and working to figure out what it means to love as God loves. And so we come together on this journey with all we are, without pretense. We do not claim to know all the answers and enter into life and conversation as authentic people whose greatest connection comes through loving God and loving others. Our second core value is community, life together in service, struggles, and celebration. Join me for this next part. We are people created to do life together. We are only complete when the gifts of all are brought together. With these gifts, we strive to serve others, support each other in struggles, and celebrate the goodness of life. We truly experience the fullness of God when we share the fullness of life. Our third value is church, partnering with God as we are gathered, shaped, and sent. We are people created to live in partnership with God. God gathers us to learn Christ-likeness, to confess where we fall short, and to grow together in love so we may fully reflect God's loving image to the world. As we gather, God shapes us more and more into God's image and sends us into the world to share God's love. Amen. All right, Ryan, if you would join me. And I think we have a mic for you here. Here you go. Friends, if you don't know Ryan, this is Ryan Levenger. And um, he is a part of real life. And we have asked him... I, I'm, I'm not checking messages on my phone. I am uh, pulling up the questions I'm asking Ryan. Um, are we on here? I don't think so. Are we muted? There we go. Okay, we're coming. 
There we go. All right. So I have some questions for Ryan. Um, he lives here in Nampa. He's a counselor, and he's an awesome guy. So if you don't know Ryan, first of all, you should get to know him. So if he's sitting at a table at the potluck today, maybe just go join him. But we have asked Ryan to share some, questions, some answers to some questions regarding the idea, the thought of real life. So the first question I asked Ryan to think about was, what do the words real life mean to you? Well, first of all, I paid her to say that I was awesome, so thanks for that. We'll get that after church. Um, I this is, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, cool. I have some allergies going on, so I can't project as well as I would like to. Um, I think, for me, real life means being um, authentic. It means being vulnerable and letting the messy parts show through, which... It's kind of hard for me because I, I feel much more comfortable being in the role of the person who's helping the person who's experiencing difficult things and not so much in letting my stuff show through because, um, I don't know, that's kind of hard and scary. So I think real life is, is letting all of that be bared appropriately because, you know, you don't just want to walk down the street singing out all of your deepest problems to anyone there. But... Um, yeah, I think it's, it's meant trying to open myself to those around me um, and not, not just sort of suffer in silence. I agree. Thank you. Um, the second question we have for Ryan is, how have you found real life at our church? I didn't want to say real life at real life, but <laughs> how have you found that in this place? Um, I, think, I think in one sense, just showing up um, over the last year or so, there have been days where I, I really didn't want to go, and sometimes those were the days where I most needed to come um, and just be around other people, um, just be together with, with people who are worshiping God, who are lifting one another up. Um, I think also... Uh, a while back, I started attending one of the small groups, and I didn't know everyone who was in the group, but I, I felt kind of nudged to sort of open up a little bit. And it, it wasn't easy, but it felt, it felt good. I like being real. I'm just not always great at it. But um, I don't know. That group gave me a place where I felt like I could open up a little bit about some of my difficulties, some of my messy parts, and uh, I think that was really, um, that was really an encouraging experience. Absolutely, and I will have to return the payment for like plugging small groups here, so <laughs> good job. Um, you've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what is difficult, what is the most difficult thing about being real? Why is it scary to open up? That's a really good question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think that... Um, I won't try to speak for anyone else. I'll just speak for myself. You know, I already know all of what's, what's in here, what's in here. I know my, my messy parts. Um, and I know what I, what I think about them. I don't know what other people think about those things about mm -hmm. 
my struggles or about my difficulties. And um, so I think that unknown, the unknown is always kind of scary. So not, not knowing how will people see that or perceive it. Um, because being vulnerable is, is difficult. You are opening yourself up and that comes with the necessary risk of being hurt. Um, not that you necessarily will be, but that's part of the risk. So I think, um, yeah, just that the, the fear of the, of the unknown and of, of having light shined upon, you know, sort of a spotlight almost shined upon us. Um, yeah. And for some people, that's even more difficult than for others, so. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. Will you guys just tell Ryan thank you? It's a no small deal to stand up here and say, talk about being vulnerable in front of everyone. All right. Thank you, Ryan. And hopefully that'll connect as we continue um, to talk about what it means to be a church that values real life. Well, both this week and next, as I said before, um, we're going to be focusing on that very value, real life, and kind of the sub-points under that, real people, real questions, real love. And since I'm kicking this thing off today, we are going to focus in on the very beginning of Romans 12, the first two verses, and kind of root ourselves there for a little bit. Um, We read it earlier, but it says... Brothers and sisters, or my family, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. More of Romans 12 because, as I said, we really found our home there, and it's just full of so much goodness, especially that applies to real life. But Tom's going to focus on some other parts, so I'm going to stick right here for a few minutes and just say that these first two verses, they're, they're pretty popular verses for churchy people. I had to memorize them as a kid. And if you didn't grow up with a churchy background, though I realized as I read them that they can sound a little strange. To present your body as a living sacrifice, renew your mind, figure out God's will. Some hard things to understand. And it was really that last part of those verses that always threw me for a loop. Particularly as a teenager, it kind of sent me into a tailspin. Hopefully that's normal for the teenager experience, but if not, it was my experience. So my question was, what does God want me to be? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I lived in fear of choosing the wrong thing, the wrong vocation, the wrong response to someone, the wrong anything. How did I know that what I was doing or saying was God's will? And That right there was terrifying for me. The idea that I could mess this thing up at any moment because I didn't know God's will or figure it out the right way was just almost paralyzing at times. I originally thought 
as I was getting to the end of high school and going into college that I wanted to be an architect. Designing something like homes seemed like a cool thing to do. I didn't like to choose things that were traditionally girly, like decorating or baking, or these were just like I had this mindset that I needed to rise above. Not that those things are bad. That was just my mindset at the time. I really actually love decorating, and I've, I've done some really good cakes for my kids, you have to know. But at the time, I felt very boxed in by things that were considered, that's what girls do. And I remember being so conflicted and unsure because it actually meant that I needed to go to another town to go to school. And I was not a very confident or adventuresome kid. That felt scary. It felt lonely. And I remember reading my Bible during this time of trying to search out what it was I was supposed to do and who I was supposed to be. And when I was reading, I found the word architect in scripture. I have no idea what the context was. But I remember clinging to that word, architect, it's in the Bible, I can do it. It must be God's will because I read that portion of scripture. Now, obviously, I'm a pastor, so um, I'm not an architect. And so you can see how well that method worked for me. Um, but I was so fearful of making a decision outside the will of God that I began to force my ideas of who I should be into existence and somehow make the Bible line with what I thought and claim that what I thought was a good idea was God's idea. I think it's safe to say that I didn't understand the Bible's role in my life at that point. I don't think I understood what it meant, really, to go about the business of being truly transformed by God and figuring out God's will. As I was reading up on Romans, there was an author by the name of, okay, I'm going to butcher this, Actemeyer, if that is not how it's pronounced, that's how it's pronounced today. So this guy by the name of Actemeyer talks about the structuring power of grace, which is a fancy way of saying, let's read those first few lines um, from Romans 12 again. It says, brothers and sisters, basically, hey, family of God, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to... Because of God's mercies. What the commentator was saying was that Paul was saying here is that we is that what we do, all that Paul admonishes the people in Rome to do, is in response to God's mercies. The power structure of grace. I would venture to say the power structure of love. Because of God's mercies, God's grace, God's love, here then is how you should respond. I think this is important, and I think it's something I really missed grasping as a teenager. And probably even now sometimes. But what we are asked to do in Scripture is born from love. We serve a God of mercy and grace. We start with God's character. We talked about that a lot this summer. We start with God's character. So for a teenager thinking that she needed to figure out what to do with her life, 
Maybe that meant I didn't have to have it all figured out. Maybe it meant that if I chose the wrong path, whatever that was, that in God's merciful nature, God could still be at work in my life. Or maybe better yet, it meant that God actually gave me the freedom to choose or to follow inclinations and desires that he had created me with. Whether it was building houses, or decorating houses, or serving in a church. Instead of dictating a particular career path for me, instead of the God of mercy, instead the God of mercy was inviting me to simply that was pleasing God, to love as God loves with all that I am. The scripture says this is our priestly service. Priests were people who were set aside to serve God. The community cared for them, and they in turn cared for the community. They were a connection point between the world and God. And the funny thing is, Paul wasn't writing to ordained pastors. Paul was writing to God's family, to people in the church, like you and me. Because, you see, we are all called to live our lives in response to the mercies and the love of the God who called us. We are called to care for those around us and in turn allow them to care for us. We as God's family are the world's connection point with God. Jesus with skin on is what one of my youth pastors used to say to me, Sarah, you just need a little Jesus with skin on. And it was true. So what does this have to do with real life as our core value? Well, I'll tell you. Paul continues, he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. To be utterly real, to be the people God has created us to be, we must be different from the world. We must be people who are shaped by the power structure of grace and love rather than fear and hate. We are called to love differently and to live differently. And the only way we can figure this out is by coming together and sharing real life. We say real people in our statement because we hope that this is a place where you can come and be you. Come with your questions, come wrestle, come doubt, come broken, just come so that we can walk together and hold each other up. Be yourself because it is only in doing that together that we can truly be transformed by the love of God. When we say real questions, it's because our board, our leadership discovered that as we have grown and changed, we have become a place where we wrestle with questions right here in the service. We don't wait till later. Sometimes it's just important enough to talk about. We ask hard questions sometimes. And just to be real, just so you know, we're talking about being real, sometimes these questions are really hard for me. You know that fear I talked about, not knowing the answer, not getting it right? As the pastor, can I tell you how often I don't know the answers and how often I don't get it right? 
So when we open it up for questions, it's a really vulnerable place for me. I like things pretty. I like them well-structured. And questions, especially if they're random, don't allow room for pretty and structure. It's messy. Being held accountable to thinking in different ways makes me a little uncomfortable. But I can also tell you this, I need that. And I need you guys, all of you, to do that, to ask questions. I need to be challenged and questioned. I have really come to cherish the words of scripture where the father of a hurting child says, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes I'm there more often than I want to admit. And we say real love. And I'm struggling with this one today, not because I don't love, because truly, I try really hard on this one. I really believe we're called to be a people of love. I try to be honest and extend grace, and although sometimes I admit I have to work on that, my initial response, you can ask Stephen, is not always compassion. I'm not there all the time, but I eventually work there. I try to get there. That is my goal. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I try not to shy away from questions that make me uncomfortable, or at least if I do shy away from them, I try to come back to them after I've had time to think about them. Because I think that's love, too, coming back to the hard questions. I say I'm struggling really because this is the one that hurts the most when it's not returned. Our call to live responding to God's love doesn't mean that the rest of the world responds in the same way. It's easy to love Stephen. It's easy to love my boys. They're really cute. It's easy to love the board here at Real Life. They are beautiful people. It's easy to love the staff that works here. I'm just one of the luckiest pastors ever. It's easy to love so many people in this wonderful place. And do you know why that's easy? Because I feel love back. It's returned, and that's a safe place. It's when that love isn't returned, when it's not received, when people respond in fear or anger or do things or say things that I don't like or that hurt me or that break me. That's when I struggle with real love. But Paul says, because of God's mercies, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about eating flesh and drinking blood in regards to Jesus' death and the meal that we share together here each week. We also talked about the whole idea of eating flesh and drinking blood means that something has died. Life comes from death. And Paul reminds us that as, reminds us of the we are called to be a living sacrifice. I'm pretty sure that the word sacrifice implies some kind of death. When we struggle to love, when we've been hurt, we have to let go of something inside. Whether it's pride or rightness or fear, 
whatever it is, something has to die. But it ends in finding God's will through mercies. God's good and pleasing and mature will, the goal of the life that we share together in God. God's will is for us to learn to reflect our creator. You'll notice that each of our statements starts with, we are created to be. We are created to love. We are called to love just as we have been loved, to forgive as we have been forgiven. It seems to have a lot to do with whether, it has a lot less to do with whether I should be an architect or an artist or a pastor. And it has a lot more to do with how I love. And this, friends, is how we are going to share real life together. It's funny, as I was preparing this, I realized it's been two years since you as a church graciously hired me and entrusted your spiritual leadership to me. And I am still humbled by this. I also remember that I promised that morning that I was going to mess up sometimes. And I have. Some of you know better than others. It's true. But I want to come back to you today and say thank you for your grace. Thank you for allowing me to be me and to work through those hard times and those times when I mess up. This is a job that neither I nor your staff nor your board about grace and willingness to keep coming back to the table. So Thank you for the opportunities that you allow me to apologize and to learn and to grow. We are a group of imperfect people, and sometimes we fail. We try to teach our kids that failure is an option, (laughs) and it is. This is real life. But real life, and I do mean real, like authentic, true, without filter or pretense, also means that we are on this journey together. We are one in Christ. We will hold each other accountable. We will serve together. We will laugh together. And if you're brave and you want to be real with us, then we hope you keep coming. Come back to the table. Come when you're mad. Come when you're mad at me. Come when you're mad at something that's been said. Come when you're hurt. Come when you're broken. Don't let us off the hook, friends. We need to be held accountable because it is only together that we will learn and grow and be changed. Paul says, because of God's mercies. Because of God's mercies, we are called to grow in faith and to reflect the beautiful, holy God we serve. And I think that's the greatest real love of all. That God continues to pull us back and continues to to love us even when we mess up. And God says, nope, I'm not done. Come on. Let's, Let's journey together.